Hey everybody, it's Danny. I want to say thank you for tuning in to the Heartway Podcast. And I want to give a special thanks to those of you who are tuning in from really all over the world. We're so grateful that you are a part of our community and that you listen in on an ongoing basis. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, I want to ask you to share this with a friend. You never know the impact that one of these messages can have in another person's life. And if you yourself have been impacted and you'd like to continue to partner with us to keep this work going, Check us out at heartwaychurch.com slash give. Every dollar that you give goes a really long way towards helping us do what it is that we do. Well, we love you. Really hope you enjoy the podcast. Good morning, Heartway. (laughs) I love you. For real, I love you. Hey, like why some of y'all get so uncomfortable when somebody tells you that? You're making me feel narcissistic because I'm like, I tell myself I love me like every couple hours. I walk by a mirror, I'm like, you, bro, I love you. You know, there's this beautiful quote. Anytime that my mind is in the future, Anytime that my mind is in the past, I am where God is not. It's not that God wasn't there. It's not that God won't be there. It's that God is not there. You know what I mean? And so anytime that I allow my mind to ruminate, to carry into a space of past or future, whether it's because of anxiety, whether it's because of stress, whether it's because I'm getting overly obsessed with something I want to happen later that is not currently in place now. Anytime that happens, I'm making a conscious decision to bring my awareness, to bring my identity, to bring my power into a space where God is not. You feeling me? God is here now. God is. That's why in the Bible, God said, I am that I am. Not I am that I will be. I am that I am. And so the simplicity of this message, I'm simply conveying to you the sacred importance of grounding yourself in this moment. Can you allow yourself to be so present in the now that past and future dissipate? Can you do that? And are you willing to? Because when you sit in the seat of now, when you really get here, you experience God in a way that is literally inconceivable. And so the purpose, one of the many purposes of this centering prayer is to practice that. And so I invite you to close your eyes. Find a position that feels comfortable. Feel your spine erect. And as you breathe, don't inflate your chest, inflate your stomach. If you'd like, you may put your hand on your stomach and feel it inflating as you breathe. It's breathing with your diaphragm. It's going to bring rest into your body. Let's take a communal breath together. As you exhale, elongate that exhale. 
Let the oxygen leave your lungs ever so slowly, like air inflating out of a balloon. And as you continue to breathe, I invite you to become fully present. Observe the sensations in your body. Feel the sensations across your skin. If any thoughts come in this time, you need not engage with them. They're just passing by, observe. Observe all of the happenings going on in your body. None of them are dangerous. There is an inherent safety desire peace, why wait for it? Experience it now. No responsibilities right now. expectations right now. Be at rest. so easily trouble you, set them down. Because his grace is sufficient. As one communal body, let's breathe that in. Do that two more times and in. And 
breathe it all in one more time. Come on, let's get a bonus round for peace one more time. that you would rock a baby. And you may open your eyes. Thank you, Hartway. Love you. Very grateful to have you guys. If it's your first time, welcome. My name's Danny. I have the great privilege of uh, leading this community. Started it eight years ago in my parents' living room. And it's been seven years since we've been gathering on Sundays here at this location. So it's been a blessing that we've been able to kind of call this place home. And um, we've been through so much as a community. And the fact that through all of the challenges that have come our way, we continue to get stronger and healthier is really a sign to me of God's grace and God's favor and God's blessing over us. No idea where God's going to take us. It's an open future. We have some semblance of an idea of where we want to go, but God does what God does. So, I like to focus on where we are now. And today specifically, I want to read to you a passage of scripture from the New Testament. This is going to be the main point of all that I say today. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. It says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. So the title of my message today is called Trophies of Grace. Anybody won a trophy here before? Raise your hands. I don't know. There's a little too many of your hands up, though. And part participation trophy don't count, y'all, okay? I'm just kidding. You tried. You put in your best effort. It counts. So I got a, a couple participation trophies. But typically, especially if you're, you know, yeah, it's kind of messed up. You know, when I was younger, I used to play basketball. And I got good in high school, even though I still was coming off the bench. I'm a little bitter about that still. But when I was like in middle school and I used to play basketball, I guess I wasn't really good enough to get the big minutes in the recreational league. That's sad. I know. It's a recreational league. I wasn't getting that many minutes. And, and the coach, though, he would use me for something. Coach Ivan was his name. Pembroke Pines. All right. <laughs> coach Ivan would put me in whenever he needed somebody on the other team to get fouled. <laughs> so he's like, Danny, you're up, bro. I want you to go in there and just hit him hard. <laughs> and so I would go in to say, yes, sir, coach. I had to prove myself, man. And I would go, I would ram into people, get the foul. Yeah. As if I was playing football or something. Like, wrong game, bud. You know, I got a participation trophy that year. So anyways. Trophies are great, you know, if you compete at a high level and you win a trophy, that means something. It means that you are pretty good at what you do. You're very skillful. Maybe if you're a professional athlete and you win a trophy, it can be said that you are masterful at what you do. And so it's very easy when you're good at what you do to brag and boast about your talent and how much better you are than other people. In the competitiveness of our world and culture, that is how people operate, and that's how they act when they know that they're good. But when it comes to the spiritual journey, there's no such thing as bragging and boasting. It does not matter how far you advance in this thing. You never get to a point where you brag and boast about where you are. 
Because somebody who is truly in tune with themselves spiritually, somebody who is really living in a sense of connectedness with God, has this overwhelming sense that it is only by the grace of God that I am what I am. Our power doesn't come from ourselves. Our strength does not come from ourselves. We are simply trophies of God's grace. And so everything that you have, any success that you may have experienced in your life is just a byproduct of God's love and goodness towards you. And I know you've put a lot of effort. I know you've put a lot of hard work. I know that you have something to do with it. But it's better to give the credit where the credit is actually due, which is God, who gives you the ability and gives you the strength and gives you the skill and gives you the talent to be the kind of person who you are. And when you read through the scriptures, something that I love, it's like a recurring theme. God uses imperfect people to display his perfect wisdom. Everybody that God uses in the scriptures has major character flaws. Not minor character flaws, major character flaws. Okay, Noah was a drunk. Abraham was a liar. Moses had anger problems, murdered somebody. Samson could not control his lust. David, the man after God's own heart, you know, you know what he was all about. Okay. They call him an adulterer. It's a strong language for things that so many of us can relate to, right? You know what I mean? Like, geez, bro, the Bible got to calm down a little bit. You adulterer. You lusted after her. You know, even if you go to like the New Testament, Paul, who wrote so many of the letters in the New Testament, he used to kill Christians. Peter denied Christ. And even after, uh, you know, that initial moment of denying Christ, after he became an apostle in the church, a leader in the church, he still was dealing with hypocrisy. You read about that in the book of Galatians. So. God only uses flawed people because there's no one else available. Literally, there's no one else available. So if you've counted yourself out, if you don't think that you can live a life of purpose and meaning and fulfillment, if you don't think that God can use you to change the world, to do something incredible, just because you're, you're flawed, wake up call. It's not just you. Everybody, it's all of us. I was talking to somebody the other day, and this guy said, Danny, you don't know what I've done. And I said, really? <laughs> I love when people do that. It's like, try me, please try me. How bad are you? Okay. I've watched all the Netflix documentaries, okay? <laughs> I've watched all the murder mysteries, okay? Please tell me what have you done? said, and with tears in his eyes, really, older gentleman, he's about 65, and he said, I've been a burglar, I've been a liar, I've taken advantage of people, I've been an addict most of my life, here I am, 65, still dealing with this stuff, I've taken somebody's life, and I said, do you think that all these things you've mentioned are just you? Like you're the only person on the history of humanity that has ever done these things? That you're just this horrible, horrific human being? And he goes, oh, yeah, you're right. And I said, you told me you're a Christian, right? He's like, yeah, I'm a Christian. I said, you know, Jesus loved hanging out with people like you. And like me too. Because I'm just like you. Just like you. And then these words came out of my mouth. I don't know where they came from, but I loved it. <laughs> I told him, you are a perfect candidate for the grace of God. And I just really believe that some of us in this room need to hear that this morning. <laughs> Regardless of how flawed you may think you are, how much you've messed up in the past, how many people you've hurt and harmed, and all the hurt and harm that you've caused to yourself, listen, you are a perfect 
candidate for the grace of God. There is no such thing as an irredeemable human. There's no such thing as going too far in the other direction that you can't be pulled back into exactly the place where God wants you to be. There is nothing that you have done in your past that could ever disqualify you from God's love. Even better news, there's nothing that you could ever do in the future that could ever stop God from loving you. But there is something that can stop you from receiving this love and this grace that is always flowing from God's heart to yours. And it's something called guilt. Anybody know anything about guilt? Maybe a little bit, a little bit of guilt. Just a little bit of guilt, not too much, you know? Guilt kills your soul. Crazy thing about it is some of us think we have to feel guilty. We think if we don't feel guilty, we're doing something wrong. We feel guilty about not feeling guilty. And so we got to make ourselves feel guilty. Guilt is something that is embedded in us from the time that we are little children. Just the messaging that we heard from our parents, it wasn't even intentional. But comments like, shame on you. You're a bad boy. You're a bad girl. Look at what you've done. We begin to internalize that. And unconsciously, we start to believe this idea that there's something wrong with us. There's something wrong with me. Otherwise, I wouldn't be getting treated this way. And so we start to think that in order to be loved, we have to be good. And in order to be good, well, we have to get punished when we do bad. And we eventually get to a point where we just start punishing ourselves. We start punishing ourselves for the things that we do because we think we have to in order to be good and receive love. And then religion, of course, amplifies this even more. What we learn in our youth, in terms of guilt, in the home, religion turns up a million notches. Some of you may be familiar with very, it's very standard Christian messaging in a lot of places. Some people are unfamiliar with this, and if you're unfamiliar with this, you're a blessed soul. <laughs> but I... I you know, I went to seminary school and I was hearing messages like, we're all sinners. God is holy and cannot tolerate sin. Sin deserves to be punished. All of us deserve to be punished. And so it does not matter. And of course, yeah, there's an escape route, Jesus Christ, and you don't have to be punished anymore for your sins. You don't have to go to hell for all eternity. Yay, awesome, great. But guess what? It doesn't matter how much you hear about God's love and God's goodness. If that's your dominant framework for understanding God, life, reality, humanity, your essence and your nature, you're never going to feel worthy of this love. You're never going to feel worthy of this grace. And eventually when you realize that you're human and you're flawed and that you can't live up to this high standard and metric that was set for you or that you read about in the Bible, you can get to a point where you start to hate yourself for being the way that you are. I want to do it the right way, but I keep doing it the wrong way. Literally, there's actually a passage of scripture in the book of Romans where the apostle Paul writes that. And I'm like, bruh, no, if you did it, you wanted to do it. <laughs> That's the truth. If you do something bad, it's not that I don't want to do it. No, you wanted to do it. That's why you did it. But we start hating ourselves for being the way that we are, and that guilt keeps us in this perpetual cycle of repeating behavior that we dislike. So what do you think happens to this religious conscience when it starts feeling so guilty about all of the ways that it's not living up to the standard and the metric? Well, when you feel guilty, you start projecting that guilt towards others. We try to deflect from our own guilt by pointing out the guiltiness in others. Because we fear being judged, we begin to judge. And then we hide under religion as an excuse to do it. 
which is why it has been said that religion is one of the safest places to hide from God. Think about that statement. Because we feel justified in our superiority over others. We feel justified in pointing the finger of blame and judgment towards others. I got Bible verses. God's on my side. But the people who are harsh, the people who are the harshest are the guiltiest. And they're just trying to deflect. They don't want attention on them. So I got to point the finger at you. Dangerous, dangerous place to be. Religion is one of the safest places to hide from God. Are you hiding under the garb of religion? Trying to deflect from your guilty conscience. There's this story about a very prominent spiritual teacher. And some people in his community were telling him about a man who was considered almost to be like a saint. The word about this man was that he was so incredibly humble. And he was coming to meet this spiritual teacher. Finally, the day that they met, this humble man gets on the floor. He gets on his knees. He bows before the teacher. And he kisses his feet. And he says, I am just the dust beneath your feet. And this teacher could tell there was something in this man's eyes that were a little off. And so he looked at him and he said, you're right. You are just the dust beneath my feet. Soon as he said that, that humble man got really angry. He got really mad. And the teacher said, why are you getting mad? I'm just agreeing with you. Maybe it's because I'm exposing your ego, which is trying to hide under the guise of humility. A truly humble person cannot get hurt. Only the ego gets hurt. If that man were truly humble, he would not be offended because a humble person is willing to be whatever you think they are. There's no image to protect or defend anymore. There's another story about three uh, Christian monks. They each belong to a different sect. And one of them said to the others, our group, nobody can compare to us when it comes to theology and knowledge of the scriptures and philosophy. No comparison. The other monk said, you know what? You're right. But our group, nobody can compare to us when it comes to spiritual disciplines. We are, we are the most disciplined with our prayer and our fasting and our meditation. And then the final monk said, you know what? Both of you are right. But when it comes to humility, we're at the top. <laughs> really? But that's, that's what happens. The ego uses something like humility to hide. It's a false humility. It's not real. So this is how religion is used as a place to hide from God. Now, going back to the guilt, okay? Guilt is just an emotion. We don't have to fear guilt because like every other emotion, it is neither positive nor negative. Guilt can actually have a positive function, and it can also have a very negative function. Guilt has a positive function in the sense that when we feel it, it's alerting us and letting us know that we're acting out of alignment with who we know ourselves to be. Maybe by doing something that we did, we feel that we were acting out of our integrity, and guilt lets us know that. So in that way, it's good. Guilt, if you understand it properly, oftentimes is self-imposed for a benevolent reason. Again, we, we want to receive love. We want to be good. We want to change our ways. And, and the only way that we know to do that is through guilt. Okay? However, guilt can have a negative function when it becomes toxic. When it's taken 
to the other extreme. Guilt becomes toxic when you begin to associate things that you have done with who you are as a person. That's called shame. Okay, you associate something that you've done, something bad or wrong that you may have done with who you are as an individual. Guilt and shame are like cousins. They always hang out together. They love each other. But guess what? We think by heaping guilt and shame on ourselves that we can actually produce positive change and transformation in our life, but that's not how it works. You can't guilt yourself into becoming a new person. You can't shame yourself into changing your ways. Guilt and shame create more harm than, than anything else. That's what it does. It just creates more harm. It doesn't cure it. It makes it worse. So what do we do about this? How do we handle this guilt? Well, first of all, if you're feeling guilt, that means that you're able to see something now that you weren't able to see then. If you were still at that same level of consciousness, you wouldn't be feeling guilty about what you did. Now, after the fact, you recognize something that you weren't capable of seeing or recognizing at the moment when you did whatever that you did. That means what? Growth. That means evolution. Don't blame yourself and punish yourself for seeing something now that you weren't able to see then. If you were able to see it then, you would have acted differently. But you weren't. You felt like that was what you needed to do. And so you did it. So that's called weaponizing your growth against yourself. Anytime you feel guilty and it starts getting toxic, you're weaponizing your growth against yourself. Imagine a toddler learning how to walk, right? When a toddler's learning how to walk, they're falling left and right all the time. Could you imagine once that toddler's actually walking and running, if they beat themselves up for all the times that they fell and slipped up? That would be ridiculous because the falling down and getting up was literally a part of the process of learning how to walk and learning how to run. In the same way, all of your missteps, all of the times that you've slipped up, all of the times that you've stumbled and fallen over, that's all a part of the process of you learning to be who God has made you to be. It's all a part of the process of your growth and your evolution. And so we embrace the missteps. We embrace the failures. We embrace those moments when we don't have it all together. So what I want to share with you very briefly, and then we'll wrap it up. Three ways to conquer guilt. It's so simple, it's almost stupid. But I know that it's going to help you if you take it to heart and you apply it. Here's the first way to conquer guilt. you got to take responsibility for the harm that you've caused. You cannot heal it unless you own it. Now, acknowledging where you're at fault is different than beating yourself up about it and punishing yourself for it. There's a world of difference between that. When you take the guilt out of the equation, now you're able to own it and take responsibility for it. But when you feel guilty, you don't want to take responsibility for nothing because you don't want to feel guilty. So do you see how if you don't take responsibility for it, you're going to remain stuck in it? If I feel guilty, I don't, I don't want anybody else to make me feel more guilty, so I'm going to deflect. No, I didn't do that. No, I didn't do this. The moment you're able to say, you know what? This is where I slipped up. This is the mistake that I made, and I'm going to acknowledge it. I'm going to take responsibility for it. Now, all that's left for you to do is what? Learn and grow. And you don't have to feel bad about being human. It's called being human. That's all it is. It's okay to be a human. I know I've, I've been seeing so much stuff online about aliens. Okay? I don't know what it's like in, the, in that civilization. But in this one, you're a human. You're going to mess up. You're going to fail. You're going to hurt people. One of the main reasons why I don't punish myself is because 
the consequences of my decisions are enough punishment in themselves. Really. It's called, you reap what you sow. And if life happens to let you get away with something, that's where we slip up. Because then we think, oh, I can start getting away with it some more. Oh, let me do it again. And then let me do it again. Let me do it again. And then before you know it, boom. So God may be gracious to you, and you really didn't have a lot of consequences for something stupid that you did. Okay. Well, watch out now. But you don't have to feel guilty. You don't have to feel guilty because you will reap what you sow, and that will be hard enough. The consequences of your decision will be punishment enough in themselves. Take responsibility. Own what you've done. Now all that's left for you to do is learn and grow from your mistakes. When your goal in life is to experience everything with an open heart and to learn from whatever it is that happens to you, you can't possibly mess this thing up. Great, I love that laugh. That's just, it's, that, isn't that great? You can't. You can't mess it up. What do you mean I can't mess it up? You can't. If your goal is to experience life with an open heart, if your goal in everything, before getting money, before being successful, before giving off this image, before doing this and that, if it's just to connect with God at a deep level, everything is grist for the mill. Everything can be utilized. All of it is, is um, stuff that you can use. Nothing becomes wasted at that point. How can you mess up your life? The mess-ups will bring you even closer. The mess-ups will teach you even more. And you know you start getting crazy with it when you start enjoying when you mess up. There's something, there's something so pleasurable about waking up to yourself. I don't know how to explain it. There's something so pleasurable when like, I get lost in the dream for a little bit and then I wake up. I'm like, whoa, and I see through my own delusions. I love that. It's beautiful. You can enjoy failing. And if the failure teaches you something, is it really failure? If the failure becomes a catalyst for your growth, is it really failure? So give yourself room to make error. Give yourself room to make mistakes. And eventually, when you know, if you like to play with fire, you know, sometimes I, I, I like to play with fire and I realize, oh, I don't want to get burned. I don't want to get burned, actually. It's a little too hot. You know what I mean? But I wanted to get close a little bit just to... This is nice, you know, feels warm. Yeah, warm here. No, I'm all right. That's it, you know? Take responsibility for what you've done. Learn, grow. If you feel guilty, you're never going to do that. Okay, here's number two. You want to conquer guilt? Share your story with other people. Guilt and shame loves secrecy. If you want to heal from shame, you've got to name it. You've got to identify it. The scriptures say, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. There is something so rejuvenating and healing about getting your stuff out with somebody. When you hold it and you keep it in the dark, it eats you up alive. Bring it to the light. Of course, it's hard to do that because you're ashamed, because you feel so bad. And sometimes what you need to ask God for is just the courage to express the deepest and the darkest thing so that you can have love and compassion mirrored to you. Once you have love and compassion mirrored to you from others, then you can begin to give that love and compassion to yourself. But we don't have the strength to give us ourselves love and compassion because we're stuck in cycles of guilt and shame. Once you get that out, you know how refreshing it was for that dude that I told you about who was like, yeah, I, I'm a burglar, I killed somebody, I'm an addict and all that stuff. You know how refreshing it was? Because it wasn't just me there, it was a group of us together. It was so refreshing for him to hear, 
hey, I see you, I hear you, and I love you. I don't see you any different than I did 10 minutes ago before I knew that you took a man's life. The love of God was being mirrored to him in that moment. So by him being vulnerable, he was taking steps towards his freedom. That's how it works. That's how you free yourself from the guilt and shame. When you share your deepest and darkest thing with somebody and they're, and they're able to say, I still love you. Now, not everybody's going to do that. Thankfully, there's places like this that exist where that's the MO. That's what we do. That's what we do. And if somebody here, you know, gives you a hard time about something, I don't know, you can talk to me. I'll give you a hug. <laughs> All right? <laughs> I'll give you a hug. Don't worry about that crazy person, okay? But that's why spaces like this exist, because we don't have a lot of safe spaces in our everyday life, people. That's the truth. Family, for some of us, is like, no way I would ever say nothing to my family. <laughs> some of our friends, we can't say a lot to our friends. The drama we're entangled in involves them, and they don't know. <laughs> person sitting next to me don't even know. Isn't that crazy how we are as humans? I love it. It's crazy. You guys are crazy, bro. You guys are nuts. Deflection, <laughs> that's all that is. Just, but when you share your story and you get it out there, wow, it's something that's so healing. I, I honestly believe that vulnerability is a form of, of self-compassion. It's a form of self-compassion. Healing comes from compassion, not condemnation. That's how healing comes. Giving yourself compassion means you, you understand yourself. Instead of looking back at who you've been with lens of judgment and blame, bring some compassion. Can you try and understand the dynamics involved? Can you try and understand the intent and the motivation, the desires, and the mental state you were in that would even cause you to do something like what you did? If you look through eyes of compassion, it's not hard to see why we do the things that we do. We're motivated by underlying desires that control us. And we do what we do because we want what we want. It's just called humanity. When you show yourself compassion in that way and you, you give understanding to yourself in that way, there's nothing to blame yourself for. It's just, you know, I, 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 I don't need to punish myself for that. I just got to learn and grow. And let me, let me now invite other people in. Receive some love and grace from other people. And then I can start finding the courage to give that to myself. And then last but not least, very important. Accept that you always have been and always will be a work in progress. That's it. You never get to a place where you arrive. Everybody in this room is both a masterpiece and a work in progress at the same time. You are totally whole and complete right now as you are, and you are evolving. Both of those things are true at the same time about you and about me. What does that teach me to remember? My past does not define me. I am more than the worst thing that I've done. That's the only Truth that allows me to sit with the people that I do and share love and compassion with them regardless of what they've done. Because I understand that this individual that I'm working with in this moment is so much more than their lowest moment. There's so much more than the worst thing that they've done. Do you know that to be true about yourself? You're so much more than just that moment. Don't let one slip up or one moment define you for the rest of your life. Other people may not let that go. Other people may hold that against you. God doesn't. And if God doesn't, that's good enough for me. That's good enough for me. Remember a while back, I was interacting with somebody who was a woman who... Uh, had a daughter, teenage, teenage daughter who got really sick, really sick. And they didn't know if she was going to make it. 
And this mom was just shook over the fact that she was about to lose her, her baby, her teenager, for some like super rare, out of nowhere health complications. And I remember as I was talking to her, through her tears, she's like, I know I'm going to feel it. I know that if my daughter passes away, it's going to hurt so much. But I'm trusting God no matter what. And I'm praying for a miracle. And I know that anything is possible with God. And I'm not giving up on her. But, but even if my prayer doesn't get answered, even if the miracle doesn't come, I, I'm just going to trust in God. And it's going to be so hard, but I know God's going to carry me through. I've always kept God first in my life, even through everything. God's always been on my heart. And as she's saying these words to me, I'm just like, whoa, because this kind of faith is amazing. She's losing her daughter. Her daughter ended up passing away. And you see your daughter hooked up to all these machines. I mean, that's scary, right? But the faith, the faith that was coming through this woman, it touched me and inspired me. Well, as I got to know her, you know, eventually she was telling me a little bit about what she does. And I guess, you know, sometimes people just see somebody in my position and they just feel guilty. It sucks. It really does. It kind of sucks, you know. It's like one of my most least favorite things is when somebody curses around me and then apologizes. I'm like, really, bro? Oh, gosh. You know, it's like, whatever. Yeah. But... It's just, it comes with the role, you know, it comes with the role. People see you and they think certain things and they have a certain image. And so I guess her and I talking made her feel some type of way. So she had to confess something. She's like, you know, um, I'm a dancer. You know what I mean by that, right? Y'all know what, y'all know what she meant by that, right? She's a dancer. She's a dancer. Now, this woman who is a dancer, okay, And who's doing her thing every Friday night, Saturday night, Monday night, Wednesday night, okay? Making her money, living that life. That same woman is the woman that I just told you had this faith that sometimes I don't see in lifelong devotees who are so holy and pure and they come to church all the time. And they go feed the homeless and do all this stuff. But when the wind comes and the storm comes, that foundation is not solid. Their house is built on sand. And there's no peace in that heart. And that's okay. It's not nothing to feel bad about. It's just kind of how could it be possible, right? For some of us, we don't even have a category for this woman. For some of us, we don't even think that's, that's, that's real. No, you can't have faith and be a stripper. There's no way. That's a total contradiction to some of us. But let me tell you something. That polarity also exists within you. That polarity that is being magnified in this particular example that I'm sharing with you also exists within you. You are a person of faith. You love God. And also, you can get a little ratchet sometimes. And also, and also, and also, you like to get a little freaky sometimes. Okay? Until you learn, until you learn how to accept that polarity within yourself. Right? If your first thought is to judge that woman, because you think it's a contradiction, you don't know you. You don't know yourself. We have to accept that polarity within ourselves. We are walking, talking contradictions, people. Does this mean just stay the way you are forever? You know, never change, never take steps towards growth? No, I'm not saying that at all. But that's not what this message is about. We talk a lot about transformation. Right now, I'm just trying to let you know, it's okay to be human. You don't have to punish yourself for being a human. 
Learn from your mistakes. Take responsibility for the harm that you've caused. Share your stuff with other people. Allow the love of God to be married to you. And accept the fact that you are simultaneously a masterpiece and a work in progress. And you never stop becoming a work in progress. As you do these things, guilt will not have such a stronghold over you anymore. And when guilt doesn't have that stronghold over you, you don't need to deflect anymore. You can truly become a humble, teachable human being that learns from everything. And you become so much more loving and kind towards other people. So much more loving and kind towards other people. The people who are the meanest, the people who judge the most, are the ones who have done the least inner work. And these are the folks who, in the light, they'll act one way, and in the dark, they act like something else. When you take guilt out of the equation and you're able to simply be who you are and own every step that you take, you can be who you are wherever you are with whoever you are because there's nothing to hide anymore. You're not trying to hide. You live in the light. And when you live in the light, that's where the grace is found. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your love and your forgiveness and your grace that is always flowing towards us. We are merely trophies of your grace. Everything good in us comes from you. Help us, God, to grow comfortable with our humanity, to be okay with our missteps, and to understand that we are works in progress. I pray that you would give us the courage to be able to invite other people in. Give us the courage to take responsibility and own our stuff and share with other people the real, the raw, the honest truth so that we can begin to heal. I pray, God, that by the power of your spirit, you would lift guilt and shame from anybody who's feeling that right now and that you would help us to walk in the newness of life. Amen. Amen. All right. Love you guys. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. Catch you next week.